Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For all the latest cricket betting markets, in-play odds and promotions, visit WilliamHill.com or download the free app. 18 plus. Please gamble responsibly. William Hill. It's who you play with. Hello, uh, welcome to Middle Please Umpire. My name is Miles Chapman. I'm joined as ever by 95 mile an hour Ashes winning World Cup winning fast bowler Mark Wood. Hello, Mark. Hello, Miles. How are you? I'm feeling I'm feeling well. You're, uh, but how I am is is immaterial. I think to the um, to the sort of the national picture. You're back. You were on my television playing cricket. That's right. All, all seemed right with the world. Yeah. Apart from the shortened leg side boundary, of course. <laughs> um, otherwise, that was good. But you looked. I, I know it didn't go the way anyone would have anyone English would have dreamt of, but you, you looked well in the midst of it. I mean, you were running in fast, you were bowling quick. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I was nervous before, but I think that's obviously normal. And, you know, I was just desperate to do well. Obviously, the, the lads had done really well in the previous game. So I just wanted to make sure that I was, you know, up to speed. The only thing I was probably disappointed with was the, the lack of um, dot balls. I said that in the media after, just because, like, if you if you... Usually, as a high pace bowler, of course you can go for runs because the ball flies off. Yeah. But if you can get like a couple of wickets or a couple of dot balls, then it just makes it so much better. Um, but because Van der Dusen and Mark Rob sort of rotated the strike, it meant that every time they did hit a four or six, it was cost us like 10, 11, 12 runs. So I was a little bit disappointed at the end. I mean, I've watched a bat. And- yeah, I mean, some some of that is just maths, Mark. I mean, that is that is the way <laughs> batted. But essentially, two, if two if there'd been two dot balls, if if they'd missed two balls that went for four and six, that it would have been a tie. And of course, that's a, a situation that England react well to being. Well, I didn't. I didn't get a glowing reference off our captain Owen Morgan when I kicked the ball past what way to keep it. That didn't uh, that didn't go down well when I walked back. Me, Martin. Uh, he just said you could have picked that up, boss. It wasn't like a, co- a conversation where he's like. What do you, what are you thinking next ball? Are you thinking slow ball, Yorker, bouncer? What do you think? You just went, 
you could have picked that up, boss. I was like, oh, sorry. That, it, that sounds to me like a polite way of somebody muttering prick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey-ho. That, that I feel, though, you can, if you want to reassure yourself, that that wasn't the moment that cost us the game, was it? That was just slightly regrettable. But presumably you shouted the name of a, a footballer whilst doing it, which kind of makes it all right. Who did you, who did you uh, shout? It didn't make it all right. They weren't very... Uh... I don't think the team were very, very happy. I mean, a couple of them laughed, but Josh Butler wasn't laughing because it went past him. And Owen Morgan wasn't laughing when I went back my mark. So I've, uh, I might have to cut that out for the semi-final unless it's a genuine run out. Well, at least you weren't rude enough as to strain your calf. I mean, that's the sort of... <laughs> How well did he hop to the other end? I think yeah. that goes under the radar. Extraordinary. If he's not in the... in, If the Olympics... Olympic event of hop, hop scotch comes out next time, he's got to be in the running for that. Running, the hopping for that. Or they divided the triple jump, the hop, skip and a jump, into a sort of relay event where there was a changeover <laughs> of batons after each bit. Somebody did the hop, then somebody else, you pass the baton, someone else skips, and then someone has to do, quite difficult, obviously, an enormously long yeah. jump from a standing position. That's the sort of thing you could do. Did you see Mark Will's spell? Did you watch Did you watch me ball? I did, yes, I did. Nate, did you see Markram shot over a point? I've watched that bar, and I think, uh, even now, I think, how did he manage to get it over there? It was extraordinary. And then he bowled it off the wicket leg side. It was the kind of abandon with which the, the frankly unfortunate situation in which they found themselves meant that they could play with a kind of abandon that nobody else would necessarily have the confidence to. It was a real, well, here we go. You know, they had to win by such a ludicrous margin, which I imagine for you guys as well made it almost slightly difficult you know, knowing that you can afford to lose by quite a considerable margin. They didn't. They didn't tell them it. Morgie didn't want the stats guy to tell us, so we just he just wanted us to win the game. So um, it wasn't until we got to the second innings that the, the analyst was sort of like letting it slip what uh, how many we needed and stuff like that to to top the group. Oh right, but I mean everybody has access to that information, don't they? Apart from the people playing in the game. No, because they they take uh, they take your phone off you when you go to the ground for anti-corruption reasons so we 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 wouldn't know what it was um, and there was nothing on the big screen or anything so oh, okay. unless the lads knew beforehand but they didn't know because the australia west indies game was was going on at the time well it's good if you can focus i suppose that's 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 quite sensible and also it's good if people aren't aren't corrupt as well so it's yeah <laughs> on balance i think that sort of thing's all right but did you feel well after it that's the main thing i know it's annoying to lose i know it's annoying to be spanked yeah i was a bit i was a bit disappointed miles to, to be honest i was a bit flat but yeah I, it, the mood in the camp wasn't i mean we've lost before and the mood's been like really downbeat but it wasn't it wasn't like that i was actually quite positive we thought we did a lot of things well um the only thing that we uh, the chat was at the end was that we really felt we let the side down in the field we didn't back up well enough and we cost too many runs um some idiot kicked the ball as i mentioned yeah um so a moment of great national shame <laughs> as a bowling group you know we're, we're used to probably taking more than two wickets and i think that was something that was like noticeable when someone gets a batting partnership against you i mean it is difficult i mean I, when i first came on the two lads were sort of set and van der Dusen played a great shot where he flicked it over the wicketkeeper, and and then the one he hit me for six I didn't even look where it went. I just knew that he'd got it. So sometimes you have to say well played to the other guys, don't you? But that was the short boundary, wasn't it, that one? Uh, should we say yes for the for the purposes of making me feel better? Or should we say no for the actual truth of it was the long boundary? Okay. All right, yeah. Uh, fair enough. I, don't, I was just trying to make you feel better. Um, <laughs> uh, now, of course, by the time that people listen to this podcast, um, do people still listen to podcasts? They seem a bit 
bit nineties to me. But by the time people listen to this, we'll you'll we'll know the result, I guess. Um, oh, thank you very much. Um, thank you. Oh, and we're sponsored by mm. Harrogate Spring Hydration Brick. Oh, that's loose leaf that is. You can tell. Lovely. Um, hang on. Oh my bloody headphones. And the players will take drinks for a session. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm, it's just it's just a system we have here. Um, people will know the result of the the semi final. Is that the next game? Did you call for the drink? Have you have you called for a change of gloves as well? Yeah, and I've got a, a special so, a signal for a, a drink. What is it? I um I I mime as if I'm drinking. <laughs> um, so you're going to say I make the noise? <laughs> I uh, I do a big theatrical uh, sigh and then I go, oh, I'm gasping, and um, then somebody brings me. The... I love that Dagnall story about the uh, the handkerchief, young man in the pocket of my blazer. <laughs> It could have been a story from the 1930s. We had that at we had that at Durham, you know. Mitchell Clayton used to his party trick when he first came to Durham. Like any young lad, academy lad that used to come to the team when he was on the field, he used to tell them to go and get a sky hook. So you'd be like running around the dressing room looking for a sky hook. Of course, it doesn't mean anything. And um, you'd go back on the field and say, "Look, I can't find it." Say, "Oh, it's just it's below my bag." So you'd be looking under the bag. Oh no, sorry, it must be next to my clothes. And in the end, you would just take something completely random, and then he says, and then he would let it slip back. It was actually nothing at all. <laughs> How far, I mean, can one go in that situation? The twelfth man, someone makes a request. Presumably, sometimes it's cricket related. Someone would be like, "I think I've actually left my car unlocked. Can you go and, you know, can you go and find my keys and lock my car?" Could someone say, uh, "My points run out at Safeway today. Can you quickly just just go? I just <laughs> just spend thirty quid. It could be on anything." <laughs> so let's move on to the subject of um, the game against New Zealand. People listening, yes. they'll know the results. Uh, how are you feeling about it now? You last met them in the warm-up game, took a load of wickets. I'm I'm excited, actually. I think they're a really good side, actually. Um, I think both on and off the field, they carry themselves really well. If you look down that side, they seem to have like a a good balance to it. Like You've got ball to left arm takes wickets. Saudi, who's got phenomenal amount of Ishodi, a leg spinner. Kim Williamson, obviously reliable. Gupta gives it the smack at the top. Conway, who's done really well. So, I mean, I'm, and I'm missing all the good players there, but they've got a good balance to that side where you think, you know, if they put it together, they'd be really hard to beat. You never seem to have an easy game against New Zealand. So but what we've done well in the tournament is try to focus majority of the stuff that we do well with a little bit of focus on the opposition side as well. Yeah, OK. Well, very best of luck with it. Uh, I hope it goes well. Of course, last time uh, you met was 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 memorable will you be coming in the crowd as our 12th man again yeah i think so only if if you have to come out wearing your world cup winners medal wearing my world cup winners medal and if you have to come out and you're at the non-strikers end and you're definitely not facing a ball i would be really upset if you weren't wearing the most amount of protective equipment that anyone has ever worn on a cricket field um that's mm, like a medieval you, knight you could have been one of the people whose job it is to retrieve like the balls from a golf driving range uh, with that amount of equipment <laughs> on. That is so true. So uh, best of luck with that game. Um, good luck to the rest of the team, particularly those who have so far gone to the effort of appearing as guests on Middle Please Umpire. Um, well, who do you think who do you think's going to open the baton then, Miles? Who do you think we're going to go with? Well, of course, everyone will know now, but I want to see if you've got the old crystal ball. I would have thought Johnny Bairstow. Uh, and Josh Butler. So who would, who then slides in the middle? Uh, James Vince, I would have thought. Oh, you putting Vince? I have a friend who's a big Hampshire fan, and I knew something. It, he, if anything happens with James Vince, 
he gets very excited and gets straight on the text. So the minute the minute that Roy pulled up, he sent me a text that just said, James Vince Claxon. So he was very excited. But they're both, I mean, you know, the depth in the England squad at the moment, considering how many people are injured, considering how many brilliant people still can't get in the squad, it is into the, into the team. It is remarkable. Um, so best of luck with that, and best of luck particularly to people that have been on our podcast let's look at the mailbag um oh and we opening straight away how exciting uh cricketers at petrol station this is from a man now this is a slightly i don't know if this is a real name he says he's called martin jubb that sounds like the sort of name i might give myself you know in a hotel when you they always want like your email or something and you're like you know because you're just like village hotels who oh god if they send joe root as many emails as they send me i'm amazed he has anything to do with them but they uh just relentless uh, anyway, maybe he's real. Do you think Martin Jobs real? Yes. Okay, right. It remains to be seen. Um, in the mid-80s, my mum worked with a woman who owned a static caravan at Blackpool. I would be 11 or 12 and Lancashire were playing at their outground in the town and we went to watch. Mum and I for the weekday and Dad came down on the Friday night for the weekend. We were walking past a petrol station when a man got out of his car to fill up. Someone who any cricket watcher from John O'Groats to Perth would have instantly recognised. It was Richie Richardson. He was the pro for Blackpool that summer and was out and about in town. Having filled up his car, a Ford Escort, if I remember, he talked cricket to an 11-year-old me for about five minutes before going on his way. The passage of the last 35 years hasn't diminished the moment one iota. Lovely man, great player. Top draw, that. That is an absolutely beautiful story. What a nice thing to hear. What a nice thing to hear about someone. The great Richie Richardson. I hope, I hope, I hope that even wandering around sort of Blackpool in the evening, he would still be wearing that sort of beautiful flat-brimmed cricket hat that I associate him with. Uh, but that is, it's always nice, isn't it, to hear people, that people are, sort of have the time for people and are, and are charming. Thank you very much, Martin Job. if that is your real name. And I'm, you know, I'm beginning to think that it is. Uh, this next one is from Andrew Monk. Dear Miles and Woody, bit of reverse swing on the petrol station cricketer spotting. I used to host a Nat West Awards event for Surrey. One year, Mark Butcher was our special guest. When he arrived, we were introduced and he said, Hello again, we met on the service station on the A3. This was strange, as I'd used the train. However, not wishing to contradict an England cricketer, I nodded and ended up having a bizarre conversation about an unleaded fuel prior... <laughs> and ended up having a bizarre conversation about unleaded fuel prior to the ceremony starting. Well, someone out there is a man that Mark Butcher once met at a service station on the A3, and I find it hard to believe that he wouldn't remember. If that, if that mystery man is you, mystery man at the service station on the A3, uh, I'm sure Mark's written a song already about however fleeting this, I don't know, meeting or perhaps relationship was. Uh, do get in touch with the show, and possibly Mark, who... who I imagine he's missing you. Um, that's, very, that's very nice, that sort of thing, though, when you just think, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, he's wrong, but how can I possibly say... Like, I find it a lot... People yeah. often call me Giles, and I never correct them, because I think it doesn't really matter. But then sometimes six months down... Giles Mop. Giles, Giles Mop. And then sometimes six months down the line, somebody else calls me by my real name, and, they, and then they're like excruciatingly embarrassed, which I suppose is, is sort of my fault. But I just... At the time, I think, well, it doesn't matter, does it? I think you'd live for that moment where they realise that it's Miles and not Giles. You'd see the hope drain from their eyes. And I turn to the person who's been getting it wrong and saying, you see, she listens. She listens. Do you listen? I don't think you do listen, do you? Um, there we are. Um, 
So thank you very much indeed, Andrew Monk. As we say, please get in touch if you did actually once meet Mark Butcher at a service station on the A3. This is from Chris Morgan. Miles and Woody, loving the podcast. Uh, thank you very much indeed. I'm sure Woody will... Well, here we go. We can test this last theory. I'm sure Woody will remember playing against me for Pontland under-18s for Ashington when I hit him for a beautifully executed pull shot for four. I regularly tell my friends, family and anyone who will listen that I once hit Mark Wood for four, neglecting to miss out the bit that he was only 13 at the time and I was just about to do my A-levels. Uh, do you have any recollection of being pulled for four, Mark? Yeah, I remember a lovely, got on his tour, swivelled, hit it behind square, um, went scooting along the road and I was devastated walking back my mark. remember it well. Oh, OK. Because <laughs> you had a deep impact on him. Um, a reg- uh, on the subject of spotting cricketers filling up at petrol stations, I've never seen that, but I thought it worth showing that I did once see legendary Australian batsman David Boone stand... <laughs> I don't know why I find this funny. I think it's because I'm trying to picture David Boone's facial expression. On the subject of spotting cricketers filling up at petrol stations, I've never seen that, but I thought it worth showing that I did once see legendary Australian batsman David Boone standing in the women's makeup department at Phoenix in Newcastle. <laughs> 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 like me as a young 12 year old at the time I think Booney had been dragged out shopping by the ladies in his life in his case his wife and daughter in my case my mum and sister have only been a few years older we could have nipped around the corner to the three bulls head for a pint um, yes that would be an extraordinary sight when you spot someone in a place that you just are not expecting them so for instance I once saw Mike Brearley in a shopping centre I think they've pulled it down now it's probably flats like everything else uh, the St James's shopping mall in, um, in Edinburgh and I spotted Mike Brearley there this would be about 21 years ago, and I um, and I went up to him and asked for his autograph, and he went, "How on earth do you recognise me?" And obviously I said, "Well, it's because you're you're Mike Brearley." But the but that thing when someone's not where you expect them to be, there's a little bit where, like the time I once saw David Soul when I was concussed. What did he say? Two Giles. He wrote two Giles. <laughs> yes, West Bishes, Wark Mud. Um, <laughs> no, he was he was he was very nice. Um, I met David Boone outside a hotel. Have I told you this? Or I met him outside a hotel in London, and uh, I tried. I did try to engage him in the subject of cricket, but I think that he thought I was demented. Maybe David Boone was in Phoenix for himself. He was after one of them combs for his big, thick moustache. That's right. Do they sell them in Phoenix? It's only the best seller. How do you not know that? Well, because, of course, the problem with Phoenix often, sometimes it's at the opposite end of a shopping centre from uh, the John Lewis, where, of course, if you you know, you know go and see how much it costs at John Lewis, then you go and see how much it is at Phoenix. Or not in Newcastle. That, that opposite, they stare each other like like rivals across the across the way there. Well, that's what happens. Is, so if it's cheaper in Phoenix, you go back to John Lewis and you say, well, you know that... Phoenix, you know, Phoenix are selling these moustache combs for like 47p, and they're like, well, you can have it for 46. Wow. Uh, I'm afraid it's a system that's open to abuse. But then they ring up, then they go, hello, my name's Clive, and I'd like to buy a moustache comb. How much are they currently retailing for? So they check, actually. It's not it's not a system that's open to abuse, Mark. <laughs> Glad to hear that some systems in life are still watertight. I didn't realise you were sort of the date on your moustache combs. I, I just think it's worth, you know, I read the papers every day. Uh, not much gets past me. <laughs> I love the opening to this letter. This is from Charlie Hamilton. <laughs> um, dear Miles and Mark, big fan of the show, etc. Uh, <laughs> I think that's very funny. Uh, how are you, etc., etc. Nice to see you. How long has it been? What have you been up to? Blah, blah. I wonder if the following might be worthy of your mailbag section. Well, 
guess what, Charlie Hamilton? You have finally managed to jump through all the hoops, and uh, and you've made it. Um, about a decade ago, during an ineffectual period of teaching at a prestigious prep school in the southwest, no names, I was tasked with umpiring an under-12 match. After a tedious first innings, players and umpires returned to the pavilion for tea, where I contrived to lose all six of the pebbles in my white coat. I have no idea how. Returning to the field a while later and realising I was almost certainly incapable of remembering a six-ball over, I set about the outfield looking for small foreign objects with which to aid my counting. There were slim pickings, and at this point I noticed a well-dressed and evidently well-off parent smoking a pipe on the boundary. After a brief explanation of my predicament, he cheerfully parted company with six of his swan fester matches. I think you may be able to see where this is going. Sometime later, while stood at the bowler's end, daydreaming, I started rolling the matches in my fingers behind the back... <laughs> I started rolling the matches in my fingers behind my back. The rotating heads ignited violently and by some quirk of chemistry fused themselves, presumably through the melting of my skin, <laughs> to three of my fingers. I momentarily lost control of my faculties and play ceased amid a flurry of profanities and flapping around while I tried to regain control of the situation. As the flames subsided, I realised that I had been effing and jeffing quite audibly and 13 small faces agape confirmed my worst fears. Within an hour of the close of play, I was in the headmaster's office being bollocked. <laughs> My place in the annals of under-12s folklore was established and quite a few parents never spoke to me again. <laughs> That's excellent. That is absolutely fantastic. Um, yes, we'd forgotten, of course. Any, any other stories you may have about times that you've inadvertently set fire to yourself whilst umpiring an under-12s game, uh, or indeed at a higher level, perhaps, um, perhaps you've accidentally gone out to umpire in a test match, having been sitting in petrol for the entire tea <laughs> interval. Um, uh, other topics, of course, for you to send... Uh, Letters to our mailbag, uh, umpiring disasters or stories, 12th man requests, best and worst games that you've played in, uh, cricketers at petrol stations, painful injuries. Any other categories today, Mark, that suddenly strike you? No, I think you've covered them all there, Miles. All right, well, I've, I've done my best. Hi, it's David Gower here. Uh, yes, it's me. Look, it's it's slightly embarrassing, but look, Mark and Miles, they've, they've forgotten the email address again, so look... If you've got any cricketing tales, stories, whatever it might be you want to send to them, please email them at middleplease at hotmail.com. Um, and if that's too much, well, try Twitter or Instagram. Right then, um, shall we move into our, our guest? Yes. Okay, uh, well, uh, let me give you some clues as to who our guest is, Mark. Like you, uh, he's won a World Cup. Like you... He's got a surname that is a reference to uh, an area containing trees. Uh, in fact, it's the same area containing trees as your name refers to. Uh, he's not as vague as you are. He's actually been kind enough to give us the colour of the uh, the tree area, and it's the usual colour for trees. What what colour are leaves usually? Oh, I've got this. I know you can do this. You look really puzzled. No, no, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Oh, sorry. Either coniferous ones all year round, or other trees during spring and summer. Right. Um, you've got uh, you've got as much time as you need. Gil Reenwood. <laughs> it is indeed Jill Reenwood. <laughs> I'd just like to take a moment to thank our founding sponsors, Cricketers Gin. Cricketers Gin is the perfect podcast partner as this corker of a gin began its innings at the local village cricket club in Pinkney's Green, Berkshire. Over a G&T, the founders decided that this quintessential British game, along with the wild botanicals growing in abundance, deserved a bespoke gin of its own. Cricketers features milk thistle, wild marjoram and blackberries, amongst other botanicals, delivering a smooth juniper-forward gin. If pink is your preference, they also have a delicious raspberry-distilled pink gin. 
please take a look at their website, cricketersgin.com, where you'll find a range of gin hampers too. Apply the code CRICKET and you'll receive a discount off your purchases. Cricketers, a small batch gin and a family-owned business. William Hill's Safer Gambling Tools help you stay in control. You can set deposit limits, session reminders, and take timeouts whenever you need them. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Uh, just for context, I should say that this interview with Will Greenwood was recorded in August, which is why it contains references to things like watching The 100 last night. Uh, please relax, he's not gone mad. Uh, well, first of all, uh, welcome to the podcast, uh, Will. How, how are you getting on? Great, thanks. Actually, I was uh, just checking what was going on in the 100. I've been trying to watch a little bit of that when I can. I'm intrigued. I haven't quite worked out what's going on at the start. Five ball overs. Can someone ball two five ball overs on the trot? Can you get 10 gone? And the power? I'm, so I'm working it out, but in the meantime, I think you just got to whack it and have more runs than the opponent come the end. Pretty much got it. That was the the best synopsis I think you'd ever ever have, wasn't it? That was it. You got it in one. Big fans, baseball, music, entertainment. Nice evening out. Helps if it doesn't rain. Looks nice at Trent Bridge tonight. What a great initiative! I bet there's a load of people who will never work though. Yeah, I think well, it's for it's for a new generation, isn't it? That's what that's it's aimed at trying to get people. That's you know the complicated. I mean, I spoke to the. My Durham physio, who is someone that was brought up actually in a rugby background, but doesn't know, didn't know much about cricket. And he said, look, it took him a few years, but if he turned on the television and he saw two, 24 slash two, he wouldn't know what was going on. Whereas this is sort of, it's a simplified way. There's a hundred balls in the top right, the score on the top left. I suppose it's just trying to catch that new audience, isn't it? For people with attention span of 14 seconds, which is what most people have nowadays. <laughs> I was wondering if it's harder to get your head around if you're coming from already having like a cricket knowledge. You're looking at it going, hang on, this is the basis. So this would be the equivalent of that. And it's, oh, it's like that, but it's slightly different. If you're coming to it completely fresh, if it's easier to understand, I think if you're, you, you, whereas if you're coming at it from, you already, you know, know your cricket, maybe that makes it sort of harder. I know it's not for us. The danger, I mean, I don't know. I'm guessing, I'm guessing the danger is... It would be a little bit like if sevens took off and all the money was in sevens. Would the fifteens come under threat because all the kids want to earn more money? Play like IPL. Does it move away? Does it threaten classical test match opening batting of which we've then struggled this summer and might struggle struggle in the uh, the Ashes because all the does in the IPL and all the does in the short form game in the cricket. So I suppose there's a battle for ownership in terms of what style the kids get attracted to right do we want our test uh, test squad member johnny bairstow playing do we want the hundred to be the last thing that he's playing tricky question for you to answer depends where he's batting if he's keeping and batting seven it's probably not a bad thing it's not the end of the world if he's not keeping an opening it's a disaster but weirdly enough he's he's one of the lads i know quite well he likes his rugby so, so who who talks better? Do you talk better cricket or does he talk better rugby? No, he knows his rugby. Properly knows his rugby. But so I'd say, it's always difficult to make So I'd say our knowledge of those respective sports are quite good. But I'd tell you what was one of the strangest bits of lockdown. Must have been really early. You know that game, Guess Who? Yeah. Yeah. Where you go, has he got glasses? Is she wearing earrings? And you slowly cut things down. So we both bought the same version 
and had a week in the evenings of drinking a bottle of wine and playing Guess Who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so my little lad was playing Guess Who with a slightly inebriated dad against Johnny Burstow and his sister. Oh, that's amazing. For a week. I mean, you just sort of think, what was the strangest thing I did in lockdown? Drank rosé and played Guess Who with Johnny Burstow. <laughs> oh, the other one that's really interesting, cricket sort of cricket connection, I assume it's a cricket podcast, he's one of the scariest men I ever worked in and around, but he's the most lovely human being on the planet. It's Terry Crawley, she's Zach's dad. So I worked on the Futures Exchange before rugby turned professional with a funny coloured jacket. Have you seen trading places where they were, where they shat between the trading pork bellies and orange juice? Frozen orange juice. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So that's what I did, but interest rates... So we traded interest rates and Terry Crawley, Zach's dad, traded the BTP, which is the Italian government bond. My God, he was sharp. And what he's a scratch golfer. So I regularly have to cough up some cash to him. But played with Zach a couple of times. Now, he doesn't hit driver either. But what he can do is he can hit three wood, 290, 300. It is like, I promise you, it's like an exocet, but here's the really interesting thing. He's an opening bat, right? Yeah. He can't putt. He, you don't give him, if you ever play against him, don't give him a thing. <laughs> smash it 300 off the tee, he'll put a wedge into six feet from 160 on a par five. He'll have an eagle putt and he'll take six. Is, is who's bigger? Is who's bigger? He's you got long levers. He's a big lad, Zach. Ah, uh, he is. We're about to say, I think, uh, I think he's six four, is he? He should have. He should have been a fast bowler, shouldn't he? Yeah, I'm six really? five. So were think, you a fast bowler, Will? I was. Yeah, I played my my cricketing my Lancashire junior team was John Crawley and Ronnie Irani. Oh, they're not uh, not the worst. So they were. So I didn't really get a bat or a bowl because a creepy would score two hundred, and Ronnie would take seven wickets, and I would come on first change. There was another quick lad from Berry Grammar. So I was sort of first change and batted six. Now I cha- it's like changed counties to get more of a game because my school was Sedba. Oh, lovely! And that move, that move, it used to be in Yorkshire. Even though I'm a Lancastrian, started playing for Lancashire, uh, and it moved boundary line changed. It's right on the boundary line by Kendall. Shifted into Cumbria, Sedba. So I played Cumbrian schools cricket. I was captain of Cumbria schools cricket till under nineteen. A fast bowling coach. Bloody hell. Kenny Benjamin. So if you're, if you're faffing about in the nets, he'd come in off a yard. And if you've got a nose this big, right? <laughs> it would whistle past. You, you know, just bottom handing it. By the way, we always talk, you can't have a bottom hand. It's all about bottom hand now. We were pioneers by Semper Cricket Team. We were all bottom hand. And uh, I tell you, my, the favourite bit of like, so the final cricket connection, I'm trying to get some sort of cricket, tenuous cricketing connection is Lancashire play there now and again. And they always post a beautiful photo and it's Winder in the background, the fell called Winder. Pavilions on the left. They always have the, the they take it from pole house end, Winder, and the, the house just at the far end of the stadium, of the stadium, the ground, is Evans House, which is my boarding house. And I was second floor, left-hand side, just by the kink. So every time, it's always interesting when Lancashire post shots. And I think Jimmy Anderson might have played there recently or whatever. But they posted shots. It's one of the most beautiful grounds ever. And my, so that's where I've got caught vomiting out of my window. 
being violently sick <laughs> uh, and got suspended all those years ago. But my my claim to fame, which has obviously been done now, was I was the first. So you had to to get it into Evans House Garden. It had to carry the ropes up the slope over the bins, over the benches, over the wall, into Evans House Garden. So the, th- the, the challenge always was Evans House Garden. And I put Peter Kipax, he used to play for the MCC, Leggy. What, the bat, the, the bat maker? Yeah, I think it would be bold Leggies for the MCC. It was either him or his son. So anyway, I put him in the, into Evans House Garden, and that's, that, that's, it never got any better. So what, what number would you bat then for Lancashire schools? If you've got your first change? So, I mean, that was up to under 13, then under 15, then switched to Cumbria. Um, took nine for against Ampleforth. My mate Ali Metcalf took wicket one, and then I got nine for... I've never got 100, 81 against Berry Grammar. Again, Berry Grammar. Always used to, I'll tell you how you get me out, Mark. You get me out dead quick. My head led too much because I wanted to get on the front foot. So I'd lead with the head, a bit like Hayden did against Hoggard. Hoggard always get Hayden because he'd just lean a bit. So I'd always just, I'd start with my head on middle and leg and I'd just, I'd want to get forward. So I'd just occasionally just lean too far, get my head middle and off, off, lean over. So if you bold, Middle and leg, leg on. I'd sort of have to play across it. I get bowled off my pads, always bowled off my pads. And I got it when I was about 25, 26, when I was playing a village game of cricket. My dad was like, No, keep your head still, keep your head still. <laughs> play it to mid on, and the bat will turn in the hand as it makes contact. Keep the bat square, and then the turn comes. I got it at 25, 26, but it was too late. I'd gone to Durham. They were all rock stars up at Durham. Amazing cricketers. I'd played rugby for the first two terms. I was warned by my economics professor. If I didn't do any work, I'd be booted out. So I sort of had to do some work. Did some work. Didn't go to cricket. Never went back. And I live out of that door. I reckon it is a pitching wedge to Burnham Cricket Club. Uh, nice. And I love, I love, take the lads, take my youngest to Nets as often as he can and wants to go. And I love in the, my missus gets irritated. Well, I said, what are they shouting for now? I said, they're appealing, my love. They're not shouting. <laughs> I love sitting in the garden and having a beer. And so occasionally just wander over and have a beer in the clubhouse and just sit and watch cricket and I just lose hours. Will, you mentioned there, right, about yeah, your dad telling you to put me on. My dad still does that to me now. I'm playing for England and I get out. He never mentions my bowling. My button, that was a terrible shot. My granddad rings us up. Keep the ball on the bottom, you can never get caught. Thanks, granddad. No ball. <laughs> I still get the same crack now. I, I once had a thing, I was doing a I was doing a comedy gig in Leicester and I got really cross with a member of the audience and, and I was sort of ranting at them and my own father went, Miles, that is enough from the back from the back of the room. <laughs> yeah, my parents are both school teachers. My dad captained England rugby, coached England. So I sort of grew up in his shadow, but he didn't push me until I... He said, I'm not going to push you until you fancy it. And if you fancy it, you play by my rules. So I left it, I left it, I left it. And about 16, 17, I went, I need your help a bit here. He's like, right, okay, step into the office. Proper old school, brutal, fitness, 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 fitness. Be the best at things that require no talent, fitness. Jeez, I could run. Couldn't tackle or pass, but I could run. It must have been such an extraordinary time, rugby in the night. The, the change from amateur to professional, in just in terms of what a cultural difference that makes to a sport. For it, I, I went to school in the East Midlands 
in the 90s. So for, we, there was a time when we had, probably when you were at Leicester Tigers, we basically had the Leicester Tigers coaching staff at my school. And I would, I would be like fourth of... You Oakham. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So we had someone like Andy Wilson, uh, Wilsoncraft, wasn't it? Inspector Poirot. <laughs> all I needed was all I needed was East Midlands coaching. That's right. You could tell from you could tell from the mud on my boots, couldn't you, Will? Yeah. So was there a guy, Doster Smith? Was he called something like that? Doster. Yeah, his name was a good player. Doster was my first pro coach. We, I remember, due to presumably administ- an administrative error, he obviously had to be at our school on a Thursday, but the first had a game, and for one Thursday afternoon, he took the fourth fifteen. And that was absolutely this. I'm now. This must be nearly 25 years ago. The most absolutely brutal afternoon. And this is obviously a man that's used to getting people like you to beat the shit out of other people like you, people like me that were people that preferred theatre. If we're honest, suddenly sort of jogging out there, and it was fucking. You would sprint from one set of posts to the other, then do 20 sit-ups, and then and you'd think, well, that that must be the thing. Then then you go, we'll do that again, and we did it. We must have done it for about an hour. Dosser was in the 99th percentile of nutters. <laughs> I've, I've never, I've never been so tired. Maybe apart from like once you're like young children, uh, but otherwise, I can't remember being just so just gasping for it. It was absolutely brutal, but it made me what I am today, which is a man that does very little exercise. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you using? Peloton, what bike, or an app? Got one of the one of one of these uh, train one of these a day trainer. Bloke, bloke, bloke I met at the cricket club. Seems reliable. He comes around and... Um, is, your, is your session cricket related? Like, do, do you stand there, like, working on your doostra? Is that, like, part of the, the PT <laughs> session? No, no, Breaking we just... Risk. He talks about cricket to distract me while I'm going, Duncan, I can't. I can't do this, actually, Duncan. I don't think I've got the hips for this. I don't think humans are meant to do squats, Duncan. It seems completely unnatural. Do you do the whole PT in your, in your cricket gear, like head to toe on the pads? Like, yeah, yeah. I wear more kit than you wore coming out to run for, <laughs> attempt to run for two in the World Cup final, Mark. I'd love you to go on SES Who Dares Wins with Duncan and Miles. <laughs> Where's Rupert? <laughs> yes, exactly. We've got good, good cop and not a cop. Because you, what was that show that you did, Will, when you were basically improving people's lives by oh, by being a harsh disciplinarian? Yeah, irrespective of me, it was a, it was a brilliant show. It sounds it. School of Hard Knocks. So we would go to job centres and literally just stand outside the job centre and say, "Who wants a job?" And we'd sort of have a few people looking. That's a bit weird. A few people not wanted to be on camera. A few people sort of come over and shout and we'd say, "Well." If you want a job, we're gonna we're running a good course. It's not a it's reality TV and you gotta do twelve weeks. You gotta do Monday to Wednesday for twelve weeks and we'll train you and we'll coach you, but we'll talk to you about CVs, job applications, we'll help you out where you're living at the moment, we'll try and find you some support. If the homeless will find you a shelter, find you a bed, you know, really go out and, and, and try and transform the the deal is you've got to play a game though at the end of it. And if you play the game at the end of it, the following day we have a jobs fair. And me and Scott get our little black book out and then we invite 30 employers to the local town hall. So we've changed a huge amount of lives and the, and the charity continues. It was, it was the same about like my school when I think about it. Like actually, you know, to get a good, decent cricket bat and pads and stuff. You're talking like 400 quid or something at the time if you've got a bat and pads and all the, all the stuff. People just couldn't afford it. But actually, if if you sat down, everybody could play cricket, tennis, they could hit the ball. Like Actually, the sport and ability of people was actually there, but sometimes people just couldn't afford the kit. And I think, especially in, in Ashton, I mean, the amount of the cricket teams that would roll out, it would be like me and a couple of other uh, 
my friends group and then lads that were just like filling with tracky bottoms that moved well in the field and could stop yeah. the ball that's why why they played so mark mark at your school was there cricket at your school or did you learn all your cricket through ashington cricket club no i went to the cricket club so obviously harmy was the the man there that everybody idolized we had a coach there stevie williams who everybody sort of knew and went uh, to be coached by i went up there like because it was 50 yards up the road i went there when i was like eight or, or nine or something but the the area was sort of blanketed in, in football, rugby, and then cricket was sort of third um, in, in Ashton. So, um, How close were you to places like Tyndale and Atlam? Uh, close. We played tight. I played for cricket for Tyndale actually for a year. Um, I know Bladen and Tyndale have big rugby areas. And yeah, when I was at college, so they were the Wednesday games as the uni matches, and Saturday games was getting duffed up by the Geordies. Mm, the the tight the tight deal even now when sometimes we play cricket up there the lads are like the farmer lads are massive. Oh yeah, I can't believe that yeah, the, everybody they've got to be rugby lads, got to be rugby lads straight away. But oh, yeah. I keep playing cricket really well. Lads from Radley in red trousers, uh, we'd rock up at Ashland, uh, <laughs> and it was like here we go, here we go, lads, here we go. <laughs> good luck in the performance. Good luck. Enjoy yourselves up there because you get your absolute head battered in. <laughs> um, we were talking about the hundred at the beginning of this conversation, and I just in, off the back of what talking about school sport, I do think at the moment there's this this drive then to get young people into cricket, for instance. So do things like, like all stars. I've been doing some activator stuff, or but in the hundred is the idea to get people in. But isn't that that is in a way that's filling a void that's been there now for thirty years, hasn't there? Which, which is people aren't playing cricket at, at school. I mean, most people. It's all right if you're like someone like me, but people aren't having that opportunity. This again isn't a plug on purpose. I'm running a festival of sport in Norfolk at the Holcomb Estate. We've got Mark Garraway as our cricket coach. Uh, Ryan Sidebottom's coming down. We've got um, yeah Tyndall and Rachel Burford. Do it. We've got 21 sports, and what we're just trying to do, mums and dads, there's strap lines. No one's left on the bench, and it's. Glamping, camping, bit of music, and then eight hours of sport on the Saturday, eight hours of sport on the Sunday, and all the kids in different coloured t-shirts according to age and size, and they just move around and they're not allowed to cricketers, they're not allowed to just go and play cricket with Mark Garraway around sidebottom. If they like rugby, they're not allowed to come and just play rugby with us. You do 45 minutes with each sport, you do eight sports a day. Uh, and so it's to go back to your question, Mars, I think it's it's the same thing. We're, we're, it's all, the rugby's always accused post-winning the World Cup in 03. They never took any advantage of it. There was no uplift in people playing. The reality is, I'm trying to... I, I am an absolute sports nut and I live 50 yards from a cricket ground. But my lad is on his phone playing Fortnite and he he, want, he comes home from school. He's been to a football camp today. I said, come on, let's go for a net. It's like, no, no. And, and so, and I'm... I'm sort of things we're in Waitrose. I've, I've got facilities and I'm, I can afford to do it. So, you know, and my lads won't play. It's, it's just, do you know what I'm saying? So if, yeah. you, if you're a single mum or a single parent, you live in Ireland, you've got, you got no chance of getting to a sports club. Life goes on, it's just quick. And, and I think there's so many things grabbing our attention now. That's why I think it's so important for it to be a thing that happens at, at school. It's great if things can be community driven, but at school, if you're not doing that, you have that thing, you know, you have these big things come out. So you, you win the World Cup, Mark's won the World Cup, 2012 Olympics, you know, 
not many years after the 2012 Olympics, Sebastian Coe's sitting there in front of a select committee going, yeah, sorry, there wasn't much of a legacy, was there, in the end? And I think that's all to down with things like these things not being done in school. If these things were in school where it wasn't down on someone to say, look, I've got to... I've got to take my child to this. It's great if people do and all those sort of community clubs, but also if it was definitely happening anyway, I just think all sports would, would benefit. And I think that the, the children would as well. Yeah, no, great. In, in my school, though, in my school, you were pushed more towards the out-of-school out clubs. I'm, I'm not sure that at my school, the, the, the money or the, the for people to be able to do things was, was, that, was there that much. I felt like, if you were going to go, you'd go to the local rugby club, you'd go to the local cricket club, and school was very much sort of, you know, it, it would push you towards that way. I don't know if it's changed now, obviously it was a long time since I was at school, but I mean, the opportunity there, and they, were, they would always try and introduce you, and I actually think that's better that you, you do more sports, because then actually the sport that you go to, you've got more skills and more, you know, more about you um, to, to succeed in that one with more athletic ability. So I actually think... What we'll see in there is fantastic. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the local, local cricket club, local sports club being at the heart. I think we've got to do everything we can to make sure those clubs thrive and are at the heart of communities. Uh, we've got a new director of rugby and a new uh, commercial guy at our, at our rugby club. We have 700 kids on a Sunday morning, made Ned nice wow. catch area. Got an LGBT team, we've got an inclusive team. We've got a, we've started a, a women's team. We're called Maidens, therefore Maidenheads. It's they're the Iron Maidens. Um, <laughs> you know, we've got three teams, and one of our big challenges I set to the guys is in the old rugby clubs. Right, you'd write up on a Saturday after the game. You'd write the results up in chalk, and the chalk would go down to like a seventh fifteen. Slowly but surely, over the years, it's like the chalk has just moved up. And there's been less and less chalk. So the strap line I've sort of used for our lads is let's move the chalk down the board. And had we moved the chalk down the board, we need more people to come to train. We should welcome more people. We need to make it accessible. We need to make sure the timing is right. We need to make sure it finishes on time. We need to feed people. You know, you need to there needs to be a reason for people to come on a Saturday. Kids want to go, can we put bands on? What are we doing to, to do that? You know, coffees on a Sunday morning so the mums and dads stick around at the club whilst they don't just drop the kids off like it's a crash. So I think it's the responsibility. The thing is, it takes a lot of time. Totally agree. It takes a lot of time. And the people who give their time up, you know, to be an under 13s, under 12s manager, you get nothing. You get no, but you, of course you get thanked by the group at the end, but it's a thankless task for what? And it, you, you're relying on parents and we've got to try and make it as attractive as possible to keep the mums and dads included because the mums and dads aren't interested then the kids have got chuff all chance. Yeah. I think that's where so where I am, our cricket club, which is grown and grown and put more and more teams out. And I think things like All-Stars are fantastic and they get a lot of people involved. But it's that thing of wanting the parents, you know, you have everything you've given up an hour on a Saturday morning and the parents are having a nice time at the edges and you're sort of picking up the stuff at the end and they come up and go, oh, it's nice to see how athletic the coaches are and stuff. And you think, I've just given up an hour, actually, while you've been sat there talking about house prices. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, you could put a tracksuit on next week also. Do, do you not think? Yeah. Oh yeah, one of the things I don't coach, I don't coach the under twelve rock on. I'm going to leave him like my dad. If he wants help, I'll help him because there's people who give so much time and made me. And I promise you, and sometimes and they may or may not listen to it. Sometimes I bite my tongue and go, "What are they coaching?" But I bite my tongue and I have my coffee and I smile and I support because every Sunday morning 
for a 10 o'clock start. They're out on that pitch and they're setting the cones up and they're getting it ready and they're planning and they're so serious and they're so keen. I'm like, they need knighthoods, not me chipping up <laughs> saying what you do. Unless I've got the, unless I stick a tracks on and join in, I have no right to do anything other than support these people because they're magic. We've been a bit serious at times on this, which isn't normally the way, but I don't think that's it's because of it's because no, Mark's such, such a serious person. Have you got your your uh, questions, Mark? I have. So it's uh, ninety seconds, which is never ninety seconds, but Miles says it's ninety seconds, um, and it is the super robot. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. You say the first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah. So, Will Greenwood, let's go. Make up your first cricket bat. Uh, probably, I think, Gray Nichols. Lovely. Most random celebrity in your phone. Ra- I, mean, what, I don't know what random means. Uh, what's, what, what's the definition of random celebrity? Uh, someone that, for example, someone that you play Guess Who with in lockdown. Oh, uh, like so he's, he's, ooh, he doesn't even get near to the top of my list, but I'd say best. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite sandwich filling? Ham and cheese. Your club needs you. Would you rather score or umpire? I was going to say score a try. I was thinking, of course I want to score a try, but you mean score or umpire all day long. Brilliant. Name a song that's been stuck in your head recently. Uh, I led the opening ceremony for the World Cup and led 80,000 people to Sweet Caroline, and my wife is called Caroline. Everyone thought it was so nice that I was singing... To my wife. <laughs> Beautiful. Mike Gatton is coming for dinner. What do you cook to impress him? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Run and feed that. We talk about him in the week, obvious things you say in commentary. So, Mike, where exactly did the ball hit you? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Knocky nine doors, knock, knock, ginger, or knock and run? Uh, are you speaking Greek? I'm to presume you're talking <laughs> t- tip and run. Knock, knock. Tip and run. Yeah. And finally, you come to the... Uh, to the wicket, what guard are you asking the umpire? Two. He's gone for two. Oh, oh Miles, he's gone for two. Outrageous. He hasn't said Outrageous. Please, umpire. So off brand. That was 90 seconds on the dot again, wasn't it? Uh, it was actually one minute and 51 seconds, but I'm not going to interrupt two World Cup winners. The random celebrity, because... I don't want to call someone random. I suppose it would be unexpected, as in people that we wouldn't wouldn't put together with you, for mm. instance. Oh, Jimmy. yeah. Oh, like okay. if it was AC Grayling or something. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, good question. I'll stick with Bester, though. I don't want to reveal my sources. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy with that. I mean, the Mike Gatton thing's been a running thing, hasn't it? Everybody wants to cook him a lot of food. I mean, his nickname in the old days is probably very mean, but I've actually met him many times, and he's a hero. But he's also remembered because of Shane Warne's first ball in Test cricket. The ball of the century. How that's hit the top of Ofstom, uh, we still have no idea. I like Shane Warne, but he's no, he's no Matt Parkinson. I think we can agree. <laughs> he's, bowled, he's bowled eight balls that good this summer. He's absolutely out, mate. Um, on incredible form. He's a very nice man, isn't he, Gat? Yeah. Old school. That whole era. Uh, you know, they, they made the World Cup final in 91, was it? When Pakistan, Imran. 91-2. The yeah. Lion of Lahore. Knowledge. Knowledge. Yeah, well, I, that whole era, I grew up in the, I mean, the Lancashire. We had day trips to Lords five times a summer. Mm. Watkinson, Warren Haig, Ian Austin. Fair brother. Oh, yeah, fair brother, Fowler. Fair brother was a man, but the man just tapping it around. Uh, Watkinson would come in late. Warren Haig behind the stumps. Uh, was him. I mean, bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. Just, we had such a good one day to My uncle, John Savage, captain Leicestershire to the county title in 78, I think, Uncle Savage did that. And 
he was around Old Trafford for years as coach and selector. So we've yeah, we've got a lot of connections. Lo- loved loved my one day stuff in the late eighties, early nineties. Loved it because my county would always win, or if not, they're always in the final. And, and Miles, of course. Lastly, he had a great Nicholas bat. The the Mike Atherton. He had the Mike Atherton maybe power spot. Yeah, uh, I was before I'm older than Mike, so he probably wouldn't have the Mike Atherton power spot. They wouldn't have invented it. Well, Miles's favourite player is Mike Atherton. Is it? He is absolutely. Cricketing, cricketing hero. Yeah, he would have had the scoop, wouldn't he, Athers? I'm sure. Yeah, good writer. Like his writing. Amazing writer. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, I, I, I won't hear a word against him, as Mark knows. <laughs> Another inspiration is what I do writing for the Telegraph. You've been writing for 16 years now. Some of the things I often say was, I, I don't say it all the time, but I would go, would Athers stick his name to this? And if I read it and go, lazy. Go back again. Wow. Yeah, you got you got to have sort of people who you aspire. There used to be an old journal called, uh, he was a twitcher actually, but he, was, he used to do commentary pieces. Simon Barnes. Simon Barnes. Oh, what a writer. Yeah. Just sort simply, of colour pieces for the times. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Just brought sport, went to different places. So I often go back to some of his old articles. Don't steal his words, obviously, but just got to look at things stop looking at things through the same lens people look what's the angle where can you game how can how can you make a game of rugby interesting for 16 years you've got to keep looking keep finding I, I love I love that bit though would Athas would Athas be proud of this piece I love that what would Athas do but I think also it's a something it's obviously something that you carry on from like your your playing career just that absolute that striving uh, for perfection I suppose and you can see it now. You're just talking about, you know, writing 800 words on a Monday or what, what, whatever it is. But that, you know, the fact that you agonise over it and you want, you know, it, you don't feel like you've written it, I guess, unless you really sweated over it. If it came yeah. out, if you sat down and it was first draft, you'd be really worried. Thanks for joining us, Will. Very good of you. Cheers, guys. Legend. Thanks, man. Well, that was Will Greenwood. Thank you very much indeed uh, to Will for coming on uh, the show. How nice to have uh, a, a World Cup winner from another discipline as well, just to just to make me feel utterly inadequate uh, as a person. Um, uh, we will uh, speak to you in... Um, I don't know how often these go. I don't know anything. At some point, you'll hear from us again, I hope. <laughs> Bye-bye. And goodbye from me, Mark Wood. See you next time. Right, so Mark is he's undressing. Why don't you shut the screen off, Mark? Oh, God. No, I'll describe what's happening. God, he's surprisingly ripped, actually. I, you always think cricket's a bit of a sort of, you know, not quite a sport, but goodness me. Mark is undressing while still on a Zoom call. I don't know if this... It must feel bloody great to put on an England training top with your name and number on the back. Oh, he's taking it off again. I don't know what's going on and why this is happening. <laughs> I'm not going to turn the train into me playing top, am I? Oh, that is your playing top. I mean, that, was a, that was a real treat for us. I'll, I'll keep that one for you. Will you? Yes. All right. Can you wash it first? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I know it was on briefly, but it's very hot there. Uh, Mark, no, that's very kind of you. Yeah. Say hi, hey, yeah. Harry. Hi, yeah. How's it going, Harry? He says not out. He said he thought if they're going down like. Uh, Mark has changed into his training gear while still on a Zoom call, which is professional but demented. How are you, Sarah? Sarah, how are you? They're saying, Sarah, if you were going to bat in a game, what guard would you take? <laughs> If you're going to bat in a game, what guard would you take? Yeah. Like, what, what would you ask for when you went in the crease? You box. <laughs> <laughs> no. You 
go into the crease to bat for England. You've got all your kit on, including your box, your helmet, whatever. You come to the crease, you lay your bat in front of the stumps, and you say, yeah. Oh, man, you put your guard man with a bat. No, I haven't got a clue what you're trying to You've played Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> you say middle, please, umpire, of course. Oh. This is what I have to deal with all the time. This is what's known in, in the world of media as not having cut through, basically. <laughs> Let's try that again. You get to the crease, Sarah, and you've got your back. What do you say? Middle, please, umpire. Yay! Very, very good. Right, I'm off. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.